And welcome back to another episode of the Realm of Unknown podcast. And things are good. <laughs> this is a weird opener, I know, but I'm trying to make it a bit more natural and just have the flow be... Uh, I guess natural, it really just is the best way to describe it. I'm really taking the time to... And I've been saying this for a while now, but just really flesh out how I kind of want to handle this overall podcast and branding and everything like that. And I think I'm getting into a rather good mix or flow when it comes to the side of research and the side of what we're going to be doing with particular uh, episode topics. And with that, I am reinstituting the whole, you know, monthly poll over on the Patreon. We've had it a bit in the past, uh, but obviously there was a bit of a pause with the Patreon overall when it came to higher tier stuff. But it's back, and that is what has sparked the episode topic that we will be discussing today which was last month's poll winner being the Erie Bolton Mansion here in PA. And before we get into it, uh, if you guys are interested, you can participate in monthly polls to determine the winner and a specific topic for a podcast episode. Now, the topics kind of vary, and I try to keep the polls to be a bit more subject-oriented, so like category-type stuff. So we've done cryptids, we've done uh, haunted colleges, and now we're doing a one for uh, bringing it back to PA because obviously, and uh, it's just become a thing here. You know, you got to love the PA stories because we got a lot of them uh, and a lot of them are weird. So this one's a bit more mundane. It's a bit more of a palate cleanser. It's a bit more of a traditional ghost story overall. Um, But again, if you guys do want to participate in these polls and you wish to, you know, support the podcast in the same time, you could do so by checking out the Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash realm of unknown. And we have all sorts of goodies and behind the scenes content for you guys to participate in, as well as bonus series that get uploaded every week after these normal episodes. So if you want an extra 15 minutes at minimum around there uh check it out uh you get a personal rss feed that you can check out and add into any of the podcast platforms you traditionally listen to and you get two episodes a week it's pretty good okie doke so for today's enough chilling for today's episode we have the now i said it's the erie bolton house um or mansion but it is actually more traditionally called the phineas uh pemberton house but it's more famously known as the Balton Mansion. Uh, it's a historical house located not too far from here, uh, here being the Philly area, up in uh, Bristol Township in Leventown, over in Bucks County, uh, Pennsylvania, which is, it's like northeast from where Philly is, but it's not too far away. Uh, the house is consist or 
I should say the house itself consists of four structures that kind of were built upon and connected between the years of 1687 and 1790. And uh, the house overall, the property, the land became a uh, national uh, historical place being registered in 1971. So for the structure of today's episode, we're going to be talking a bit of, about the history and sort of what's going on and really kind of following Phineas Pemberton for a bit up until the point in which spirits kind of get uh, thrown into the mix. So Phineas Pemberton was a rather good friend of William Penn, who, if you're not familiar with, is, I, I want to say, founder in heavy heavy air quotes of Pennsylvania. He's basically the guy who got the land that became PA. Uh, obviously, there were people here before him, but if, if you're in PA, it's named after him. Most of the property was given to him, and a lot of his friends who came over, such as Phineas, got lots of those lands as well. So Phineas and his family came over in uh, 1682, and this is when he built his first house, not too far from the Pensbury man uh, Manor. However, the land that Phineas got really wasn't that great. Um, it was pretty much like a bog, essentially. And uh, Phineas lost his parents, his wife, and several of his their children to fevers and disease that ultimately he thought and blamed on the dampness of the land that he now owns. So... Pemberton purchased land further inland and kind of moved the rest and the remainder, essentially, of his family from what he originally got to what it is now. Uh, this was in 1687, and his new home was uh, completed on Holly Hill, named after a hill in England, and he eventually called the house the Bolton after his childhood name, or his childhood house, which... You know, it's not really important, but it's where the name came from, which eventually gets us to the Bolton Mansion. So, Pemberton married a widow by the name of Annie Harrison after this point, who had one child from her first husband, and he brought his bride and her child to the Bolton Mansion in order to sort of blend their families together. And Annie had, uh, or would give birth to several more children while living in uh, the mansion. Again, this is late 1600s, early 1700s. And as the family grew and the sort of, you know, financial aspect of their life allowed it, Phineas began to add on to the house. Uh, again, the mansion that we know of today is a collection of separate structures that over time were made. Uh, and this is kind of all Phineas is doing because his family kept shrinking and growing. Okay, so, so Phineas sort of represented William Penn's interest in business matters within the colonies. And uh, the two men actually remained lifelong friends all the way up until the point of Pemberson finally passing away and Penn actually mourning his death. So it's this thing, he's not super credible. From what I can tell, he's, he's, he's well known, but not like majorly influential, um, unless I'm completely missing something. But the history of the house continues. And... A wealthy and politically active Morris family eventually acquired the house by marriage into the Pemberton family. Uh, this is several years later. 
and the Morris family renovated and built onto the house until it was wealthy enough or worthy enough to be a mansion, essentially. When the house was done, there was a large and spacious home with 22 rooms and fireplaces throughout the building. As political and moral tides, however, changed, James Morris ended up converting the home into a stop along the Underground Railroad. He built tunnels in the basement and ran all the way to the river so that fugitive slaves could travel without being detected by anyone on the surface. And once uh, at the river, they would be picked up by boats and carried off to freedom or carried off to the next stop on the railroad. Even though we're up in the north, you know, there were still a lot of issues. A lot of uh, trails continued into Canada. So, you know, Morris was doing his part. He was an abolitionist. And uh, it just further adds on to the history of the mansion and the land overall. However, as a downer note, if we can get any more of a downer from slavery, um, we have the Civil War now, um, which brought a lot of pain and unrest to many of the houses and properties and families all over the United States. And the, uh, the Baltans did not escape this sort of turmoil. Baltan's daughter, Mary, uh, was a beautiful young lady and quite popular within the sort of upper class society that the Morris family was a part of. And to James's horror, she fell in love with a soldier, just like some common Joe Schmo that, you know, you know, take it with a grain of salt and everything, uh, social political standards of like, hey, I'm marrying or I'm falling in love with someone completely beneath my social standards. Um, and his, her father was just not about that. He, however, um, took it more of like the dad approach. So because the Civil War was going on and this was just some common soldier farmer guy, he was more concerned with the fact that Mary is going to be suffering due to the fact that more than likely this young man's not going to come back from war that he's going to be called off to battle and that he's either going to forget about her or die or something's going to happen. So he, he actually did his best to try to just deter the relationship, but Mary still fell for him. Um, and the young man still continued to adore Mary as well, even though he did eventually get called off to war. Despite all this, he this is like the most cliche story when it comes to haunted mansions here in the U.S., he went off to war, he didn't forget about it, but Morris told Mary that he did, and Mary was so distraught that eventually Mary's body was found hanging from the main staircase uh, in which she jumped and killed herself. Interestingly enough, though, she hung herself, which statistically isn't very common for females. Um, I, don't, I don't know the specific numbers, but I, I know that relatively speaking hanging is more common for males i don't know why um it's just bizarre uh and especially it's so public mary did it like literally in the middle of the house essentially that being said though you know her life was turmoil she had a tragic death and it turns out that mary's specter is now seen hanging in the main staircase throughout the years uh, she is not the only spirit, however, that haunts the mansion. And we're going to transition into the hauntings, as this is kind of like the changing point. 
you know, not too many notorious stuff happens after this point. And obviously, the mansion is now a historical site, so there's going to be more stories of people visiting. Okay, so Mary's not the only spirit within the mansion. Years ago, a photograph was taken that shows a man's blue pant leg and a yellow stripe running up it uh, that was just spotted in the photograph. This was the leg of the young Union soldier who was forced to leave Mary during her life, or at least speculated to be that same pant leg. And since the young man seemingly seemed to have, you know, disappeared from Mary's life, there's no way of knowing if he actually returned after he died and then died himself in the area. It's very debatable. Again, it's such a cliche story. And the fact that we don't know about like what actually happened to this James dude or uh, to the soldier dude, it's questionable, but it, uh, it just kind of adds to Mary's story overall. Uh, moving throughout the years, there have been many other events at the mansion that have spawned ghosts. Years after Mary's death, a servant ended up hanging himself from the second story bedroom window. Uh, the reason he chose to die has kind of been forgotten over time. However, the man's spirits can still be seen kind of clung to the house. And throughout the years, several people have reported seeing him hanging outside the house from the window which is kind of disturbing i mean we just have ghosts just hanging throughout the house like we have mary who's hanging in the main staircase we have this servant dude who's literally just hanging outside the house so it's interesting it's unique uh, okay so in 1938 the morris family gave the land to the university of pennsylvania to use as an experimental farm. Uh, students stayed at the mansion and tended to various experimental crops and the livestock of the farm. Soon the students began to claim that they were seeing a young woman hanging in the main staircase, aka Mary, and no one ever saw the woman clearly. They just kind of saw glimpses of her body hanging in the corner of their eyes, which is in my opinion, creepier, um, because, like, you're just going to go insane thinking, like, what the heck what the heck am I seeing? Others actually claim to see a young girl looking outside of the house from one of the upper windows, and they have no clue, like, who this child actually is, and it's oftentimes seen when they know that there are no children or there should be no children in the house. The spirit of a woman is also seen in the early morning hours between the house and what had once been the servants' quarters. Whether or not this was actually a, you know, the spirit of a servant, we don't really know. It's kind of just a random extra spirit. And the stories grew to include several dark black shadows that are also seen in the house that make sounds of whispering and... Uh, more than once startling students who are within the basement property of, uh, or the basement portion of the house, not calling it because of the color, but it is interesting to note that the basement area is where, you know, the underground rail railroad attachment was placed. So it's something to note, something to note. Okay, so the property was sold to the U.S. Steel Corporation in the late 1940s as housing for their employees as they worked within the uh, 
fairless works area of the company. I don't know where that is. And the workers who ended up staying there in the housing uh, ended up having their own experiences with the hauntings. The property was subsequently bought by William Levitt, who developed Levitt Town. And the Levitts lived there for several years before donating the property back to the township. So it's traded hands a lot, especially in the early to mid-1900s. So we're, we're kind of bouncing between ghost stuff, but it's notable uh, to actually who is owning it at that moment. So the once vast mansion that has been owned by several hands ended up um, kind of just remaining as a house and again becoming a historical landmark that is now owned by the township that is kind of just like a touristy type place. So the township used the building first before converting it into that stuff. Uh, first as a police headquarters, then a courthouse, um, and then other various, like, township, you know, purposes. Uh, if the ghosts are still there, no one talks about them anymore. There aren't that many, like, super recent accounts within this time period. Uh, as they were kind of, you know, associated with how the house was back when it was just kind of like a house. Uh, it, it's really weird. It, the idea that hauntings just kind of stop for a moment and then kind of come back. It's very bizarre. This is one of, like, the few places I've ever looked into that actually has that happen. Okay, so in the 1960s, the municipal was outgrown, or kind of outgrowing the Balton House, and the building ended up sitting vacant. Uh, it became sort of a refuge area for teenagers, drug addicts, vagrants. It, it kind of just was a place where people ended up for a little bit, um, because no one owned it. And eventually it was scheduled to be torn down, but it did receive a, uh, you know, last chance on life when the Friends of the Bolton Mansion sort of association, uh, in a sense, ended up purchasing it. They managed to stop the demolition, uh, but it would take several more years until the mansion was restored to what it once was. And no one can actually remember the house from what it was, you know, you know, being haunted because so much time has passed and no one owned it. Uh, there was no, you know, consistent people staying in it for several years. So the haunting aspect kind of just disappeared until the friends of Bolton Mansion bought it again. And now there's consistent people staying at the mansion again. And the ghosts came back. It's very weird. It's very bizarre. So once the friends of the Balton Mansion bought the uh, property and started renovating it, uh, neighbors began to report seeing a woman in a long cloak wandering the property at night. Now, despite the darkness of night, the woman could easily be seen because she glowed very softly as she walked throughout the property. Uh, the woman cries faintly as if she's searching for something, and people believe that she is looking for her lost child and no one knows who she is. She's not Mary, and people are kind of confused who this spirit is. She Again, she just popped up after, you know, all the original hauntings and then the period of pause, and now there's just, like, a new spirit there. It's very, it's very bizarre. Some people speculate that perhaps the woman is looking uh, for some little girl that visitors and neighbors have also seen uh, peering out of the second floor window. And when you spot her, she kind of runs off. And people are kind of questioning whether or not this is the same little girl that was seen pr 
previously when the uh, University of Pennsylvania owned the property, or if, like, you know, this dark-veiled woman, if this is a completely new little girl spirit. Like, we don't know. It, it's, it's so bizarre, all these new things that pop up. Others report seeing a young woman in Civil War-era clothing watching out the windows as people visit the property. She is believed to be Mary, so she, who, who interestingly enough, Mary is still seen hanging from the stairs. So I guess she's evolved to now be able to get out of her noose, but it's, it's so weird. Interestingly enough, she is spotted in the areas of like the older portion of the house back when she would have been there. So on several occasions, um, people have seen a woman at the fireplace within the old section tending to food. Again, the older section is pretty much where Phineas Pemberton originally built the house. So it's very like period sectioned off. Uh, during a tour years ago, people have asked uh, about a demonstration of a woman cooking in the basement. The woman was wearing period style clothing. However, there were no demonstrations at all of cooking, rather, or furthermore, even like down in the basement. Like there is no reason why someone should have been down there wearing that sort of clothing, doing that sort of stuff. And the tour guides are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm the only one here. I'm the only one on, on call right now. Um, okay. Also, remember that area that James Morris constructed, that sort of extra basement section for the Underground Railroad? So it's kind of like an L shape. And within the sort of darker sections of that tunnel, many people have reported seeing and hearing a little girl singing near the tunnel entrance. Others have seen figures shifting in the shadows as if they're like hiding from you. And years ago, a paranormal team did do an investigation at the second basement, which is, again, the tunnels, and had a sort of disconcerting experience there. One team member insisted that he felt a little girl's hand touching him. And across the room at the same time, members of the team were working a thermal camera and saw a little ghostly hand on his shirt like forming on his shirt, uh, distorting, you know, the thermal readings, which is gross. I hate that. The strangest confirmation of ghosts, however, comes in 1971 when Professor Don Gibson decided to use Balton Mansion as a sort of experiment for uh, paranoid reactions. He wanted to place people in a stressed situation and record their reactions, and he chose the house because it was haunted. Gibson and his staff got more than they actually, you know, wanted with this experiment. Uh, the building did not cooperate with them. It was like, hell no, get the fuck out. There were electrical and equipment failures, despite the fact that the equipment they were working with worked fine when it was outside of the house. Everywhere else in the lab, on the way, in a different building, it was perfectly fine. But the moment they stepped foot in the house, nothing worked. Nothing wanted to cooperate with them. Some of the test subjects insisted that they had seen a young woman who seemed to look like a child, but was still a woman. So it's really weird, and I have no idea which spirit that's supposed to be. This story continued for many of the subjects uh, before, you know, they had any prior knowledge of the location. However, the most interesting result from all of this is the fact that Gibson's staff 
all experienced haunting phenomena despite having made up the story that they were telling the subjects. So that young woman thing is all made up, doesn't matter. But the people conducting the experiments were having weird experiences completely outside of the uh, paranoia, you know, testing, which is its own weird nonsense that's going on. They didn't believe that the structure was truly haunted when they got there, but Gibson noted that though the subjects knew nothing about the house, they consistently came up with the same story in the exact same area without being told the fake story. So it's really weird. It's very interesting, and it kind of plays into the idea of just, like, shared delusion, um, kind of unease, and kind of just the creativity of the human mind. And it's very interesting that they all play into the like the same details. Really weird same details. So even science can't fully dispel the spirits of Bolton Mansion, which today is now public. You can visit it. Um, I don't I don't know if they're still doing tours or not, but it's just interesting to note that there was scientific experiments going on in the house that was, you know, it was chosen because it was haunted, but they were specifically looking into just paranoia and they were telling different stories to the subjects in some cases but overall both the subjects you know telling the same story that's bizarre but the scientists who are there were having weird experiences similar to people who had haunting experiences there so it's so weird and the fact that like you know new spirits joined the Bolton mansion during periods where they really, sh- nothing happened. Like, no new deaths happened on the mansion to cause, you know, the the woman in the basement, the woman searching for her kid outside, that extra child. Why did Mary all of a sudden stop hanging herself some of the times? Like, all these weird new evolutions to the mansion after there being a pause. Now, yes, obviously some of this could play into the fact that it was becoming a public area again. They were conducting tours, So you kind of have to lean into the idea that maybe some of this is kind of bolstered to add on to the allure and the history and the mystery of this mysterious mansion uh, that has already had ghost stories, but now there's new ghost stories. Check them out. Obviously, that's a thing. Obviously, that's something you have to consider. Um, But I thought the Balton Mansion was a really interesting story. I found it in a few books back when I was doing the... um, Oh, God, what did we call it? This was like 2019, uh, fall of 2019. What was it called? Oh, my God. Um, Fright Month. If you're new to the podcast uh, and you go like back to the beginning, uh, which you should do, the the first fall of the podcast, because this started in the end of 2018, the first fall, so fall of 2019, throughout October, I did a stupid thing (laughs) of being like, I'm going to do a, an episode a day and all this dumb stuff because I overestimate what I can do and I overstimulate myself with ideas. But Fright Month was an idea of just doing Philly and Philadelphia region uh, stories. And Balton Mansion was actually one of the ones that I wanted to talk about but just never got to. I think we ended up doing like 11 or 12 episodes that month so it just ended up being way too much for me to handle um but i wanted to revive it and thankfully it did it won the patreon poll last month so thank you for who uh voted 
Um, I'm really happy I got to dive back into notes and kind of flesh it out a bit more and finally tell the story of like what's going on. So I hope you guys enjoyed. <laughs> um, again, if you want to check out the Patreon and take part in these polls, you can do so. It's patreon.com forward slash realm of unknown. Furthermore, guys, lots of fun things are happening. We are getting a lot more active on social media again. If you're not familiar, I have officially announced that we're over on TikTok and, uh, you know, making videos there, uh, which are now being posted up also on Instagram, back on YouTube again. It's just kind of kicking things back into gear because overall I am... I'm in an okay place with things, um, you know, life-wise, work-wise, everything, uh, relationship stuff, and it feels good, and I, I, I still neglect the podcast a lot, despite as, you know, much fun as I have here, as much as I love, like, every aspect of doing it, researching it, engaging with you guys, I, I just have a really bad habit of time management, setting expectations, and setting goals that are not, you know, out of my grasp. <laughs> um, I need to get better on that and just stop, like, announcing things and just doing them. So that's what I'm going to be working on. I don't know. That's not, like, my resolution for 2022. Uh, my resolution there is just to have fun. And I'm going to do that by doing this podcast, by talking about stories. I'm hoping... Uh, and this is not like, oh, he's just announcing it, literally something he said he wouldn't do. Uh, this is actually happening. I am in talks with certain people to just hopefully get them onto the podcast to get some more guest stuff going on. Um, but that portion's out of my control. That's more other people's schedules. Uh, but expect that. Expect more stuff happening. And uh, I hope you guys had a great time with this episode. There are more to come. And remember to check out the Patreon because there is going to be an extra little bonus episode that gets released right after this episode. Um, so if you want an extra little bonus thing to listen to, or you're like, mm, I really need to listen to that voice a little bit longer, even though it sucks. Uh, <laughs> you know, you could get another like 10 to 15 minutes over on the Patreon with the uh, Weird of the Week series that we post over there. Aside from that, you know, check out the social medias. Submit your own stories, leave a five-star review if you guys are enjoying this so far or if you want to hear more. Uh, but aside from all that, I hope you guys had a great time. I'll see you next week, and remember to stay spooky. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. 